Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, alongside Jerwin Wolf. Um, I think this is, I don't remember the last time we were able to do back-to-back episodes together, so this is a nice little treat. Um, we got a probably a little bit of a shorter show today. We're talking about uh, prospects that are uh, rostered, uh, basically the green flagged guys that are still on our rosters who have not debuted yet. So without further ado, let's just get into it, starting with the last week recap. Uh, the matchups, the Flying Rutschman, uh, State Hot beat No Money Mike, 304.2 to 215.8. Weak pullout hitter beat Look at My Tatis in a uh, defensive battle, 194.7 to 139.5. Jake's fantasy baseball team beat the Walk Institute of Research, 235.9 to 216.8. Beaver Valley All Stars beat the Mighty Vibes, 310 to 237.4. Eating Ass and Taking Names beats Team Eminon 252.9 to 233.4. And finally, JC and Company beat Team C Deemer 246.5 to 237.7. A little bit of a rebound for our median. I think it was last week where it was real low. Our median this week was 236.65. A really tight battle for the median right up until the end. Um, Literally the last game. Uh, put me on the wrong side of it. So I am one of the one and one teams. Uh, the other one, or the other three, we have me and Sam, we won our head-to-head matchups. We finished below the median. Uh, Jerowin is becoming a staple in this section, uh, just going one and one every single week. But it's never, it's kind of like alternating the, the head-to-head wins and head-to-head losses. Uh, and then Nick Lee was the other one who lost the head-to-head matchup but finished above the median. Um, I guess we changed the itinerary. We go straight to the standings update. Okay. Uh, the, uh, East division I'm one and one, I went one and one, but I'm still in first place. It's 16 and four. Uh, Mike went zero and two this past week. So he drops to 13 and seven, but he still has the tiebreaker over our, uh, third place team in the East, which is JC who after a two and a week is also at 13 and seven. Now, the surprises are going to be over in the West. Scott uh, continued his little cold streak that he's on. Um, he dropped 0-2, so he is now at 13-7. and Nick Lee went 1-1. One one. He's still at 500. Um, he's been kind of around that mark uh, for the last couple of weeks. He's at 10-10. and And a newcomer, back from the dead, a phoenix rising from the ashes, whatever analogy you want to use, whatever metaphor you want to use, Brendan is somehow in third place in the West. At 9 and 11, he went 2-0. He's only one game out of second. He's honestly within striking distance of Scott now. What a wild turnaround from Brendan. But Jerowin, any takeaways from last week? Yeah, first takeaway... We did the takeaways after the standings last week, and you didn't notice. That's all right. Uh, so first takeaway, second takeaway, I guess now, um, is it is the dog days of summer. People are taking full advantage of their IL spots. I, I went and looked 
on the players and filtered by taken players who are injured. And we have a total of 59 players on IL uh, taking up roster spots. That means 48, uh, all 48 of the, uh, of the IL spots are currently being used in the league. And then another 11 injured guys are on benches right now. So um, just an interesting thing. I mean, I'm feeling the injury hurt and it, it seems like just about everyone else is as well. Um, and these, there are some big names too: Pete Alonzo, Jordan Alvarez and Aaron judge. I think we talked about last week. Um, yeah, there, there's just a, uh, a lot of hurt going on around the league. And I feel like that just kind of happens over the summer. We hit like our peak of guys who are hurt and then hopefully they're back for the playoff pushes. But yeah, it's, it's that time of year again. My takeaway is as a pirate fan, I'm jealous of the reds. Um, And maybe this is coming from a place of like, not that long ago, the pirates were considered like the, uh, the fun team. But then O'Neill Cruz got hurt and things kind of slowed down. But it's not now we're seeing uh, the focus kind of shifting to the Reds with the recent promotion of Ellie De La Cruz. Matt McLean's also up, Andrew Abbott. And they also have more guys that we're going to talk about a little later. And I, I, I'm jealous of the Reds because this was supposed to be us, frankly. And uh, yeah, why why can't we have nice things? Why can't we just have our moment where we're the uh we're the fun plucky underdog and now we have somebody else in our in the very same division no less and it's not even like our our best our most exciting player o'neill cruz like i get he got hurt and everything but like it's just like the reds looked at him and just did one better with like ellie de la cruz like i am you but better and that makes me sad because like o'neill cruz was supposed to be the the uh I don't know what you want to call him, like the 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 tooled out tooled out of his mind hitter, and now Ellie De La Cruz is like the same thing, but seems a little better. So yeah, I'm uh I'm jealous of the Reds. I'm sad that the Pirates aren't the aren't the big thing anymore, and yeah, sadness. But let's go to our trades. We only have one, um, and it is between Nate and Mike, which is I, I meant to look this up and I didn't. With the trade market being so slow, I want, I'm wondering what percentage of the total trades this year have been Nate and Mike, because I feel like they've traded a lot, and there <laughs> have not been that many trades this season, like period. So uh, maybe I'll look that up while Jarwin's talking, but try to do some quick mental math. But um, yeah, I would, I would love to know that. But anyways, the trade itself uh, was very small, um, only two players. Nate trades Anthony Volpe. And Mike trades Tyro Estrada. Jerwin, give me your thoughts. All right, I'll I'll try and string this out so you can get some good good data uh, while I'm talking. Uh, so yeah, I think my first my first impression when I saw this was woof. Um, I mean, Tyro Estrada isn't like the most amazing player in the world, but He's he's been pretty solid so far this year. I think you can probably look at his underlying statistics and say maybe he's a sell high. There's some regression coming. Um 
all that is all well and good. I don't mind the selling a high on Tyro Estrada. But for Anthony Volpe, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Volpe. I'm gonna be in the Volpe camp and people can fight me about it. Anthony Volpe has just not been good this year. Plus, he's available his keeper value is way lower. He was drafted in the eighth round. Tyro Estrada, I think, was like the twenty-first or something. I had that off the top of my head, but I I looked that up earlier, but I can't remember what it was exactly now. Regardless, available way later in the draft next year is Tyro Estrada. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what Mike is accomplishing here. He doesn't really need the shortstop. I I guess he just likes Anthony Volpe and Volpe's an exciting player. So with that with that kind of negativity out of the way, I'd like I I would like to continue playing good cop on the trade trade segment. I feel like I've been doing that at least a little bit the last couple of weeks. Here here's the best case scenario for Mike. Uh we we've seen a lot of young players this year struggling early, but we've also seen a lot of those struggles kind of turn around. Uh, Riley Green was having a really great month before he got hurt. Um, uh, Brian De La Cruz. Sorry, sorry to mention players that I drafted, but I just happened to be following these guys. I'm sure there are others as well. Uh, Brian De La Cruz. He's on Scott's team now, which makes me sad. But like he's he's really kicked it into gear. And, and there are others. Um, young players struggle early on. And I, I think that's just kind of the expectation. And we'll maybe talk about that a little bit with the main segment today, too. But um, so perhaps, you know, Anthony Volpe definitely has more upside than Tyro Estrada. But. Yeah, so per- perhaps we can we can bet on that if we're Mike and say Anthony Volpe turns it around and is just a much better player than Tyro Estrada. I think that's that scenario is entirely possible. It's the only thing I don't like is just we we haven't seen any of that yet. So ultimately, I think the trade is a is a big win for Nate. Not a huge win, but you know he he comes out on top here, but. It's not without its upside for Mike. All right. Thank you for giving me enough time to look up that. Um, so we've had six, we've only had 16 total trades this year, which is kind of surprising. Um, and Nate and Mike, how many do you think that they've accounted for? I'm I'm going to go um, 32%. Uh, not quite that high. They, they account for 4% or not 4%. They have four total trades. <laughs> for 25 percent um some nice easy math there but uh that i still managed to botch um but anyways (laughs) i mean i guess that's what i expected but uh i was more surprised by we've only had 16 trades than total but anyways back to the actual trade um it's hard to call this like a slam dunk win for nate because all he got was tyro estrada and he gave up anthony volpe who drafted pretty highly but um like you kind of touched on volpe like was basically a sunk roster spot all year um he's it's one thing to say like uh, maybe he's starting slow but like he's gotten worse as the season has gone on uh he's shown really no signs of improvement he kind of the scary thing too is it's i think it's starting to impact 
this is this is what I'm getting a little worried about. His um his defense, I guess, has gotten worse recently, and it's been some it's been like some mental stuff, like booting balls, things like that, where normally you wouldn't think he would do that, because uh, I don't think he's considered to be a bad defender, but um. I think he's starting to get in his own head a little bit, starting to get frustrated, and that's never really a good thing. I think you remember, was that 2021, where Jared Kalenic just looked completely lost at the plate and, like, he couldn't hit anything, because, and he just got, you know, so in his own head that he was completely lost. Like, there was no turning him around. I don't know that Volpe is there yet, but I am the, – the defensive struggles on top of everything else, and he's also done some other things that, like – you know, signs of frustration, throwing your bat, throwing your helmet, things like that. Um, I'm getting a little concerned that he's entering that realm where at least for the short term, there's kind of no return. Uh, again, Tyro Estrada is not a big win, but like I, Volpe has to turn it around a whole lot for this to even be worth anything for Mike. Um and like you don't want to drop him because of the upside. Like I get that. So you're just holding him and just being mad because it's a sunk roster spot. And that's that's not I, I don't know. Like even Mike didn't even really need a shortstop. Like he has Lindor Cruz's. Uh Ellie De La Cruz is also eligible there. He has Tommy Edmond. So I like and I, I think um Estrada, he was kind of moving around and having him uh, fill in at different spots so it's not like Estrada was just his, it was just a permanent bench piece for him like Estrada was a pretty useful player um, he's not spectacular by any means but he's he's a nice guy to have around just as a as a fill-in because he plays a few positions so I I don't really understand why we're trading for Volpe um, especially I don't know even, even like the keeper value I'm not going to say that Estrada has more keeper value than Volpe because like who wants to keep Estrada anyways but like Volpe, what did you say he is? Like a sixth rounder? Yeah. He would have to do so much to actually have somebody keep him at that price. He he'd need like a a rookie Ronald Acuna second half. Yeah, like least. he Yeah, he would need a lot for somebody to to feel comfortable keeping him at a sixth round keep next year. And I, I don't know. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. So I, and like, I don't know how much he's really going to help you down the stretch either. So I, I just, I, I don't really get it from, from that perspective. Like, I mean, I understand Volpe high upside and stuff, but there's, there just doesn't seem like I said high upside, but like, there just doesn't seem like there's much utility to this move, I guess, from Mike's perspective. So I don't know. I'm not a fan. I, I think, I think you're just going to get mad because you can't drop full pay. So you're sort of just trapped with having him on your bench and striking out all the time and never really wanting to start him, but we'll move on because we've, this is a one for one. And I think we, we've already, there's not much more to say about it, but let's go to our main segment, which we have named the double impact O-meter. Yes. We have a O-meter segment making a triumphant return. It's been far too long. Um, and today we're going to look at the prospects who are currently on rosters with the green flag. And we used the, uh, we also use the criteria they haven't debuted yet. Um, so here are the rules on a scale of one to 10. How impactful will they be this year with one being might as well not be rostered and 10 being a future league winner. 
and then if they are eligible, if they're keeper eligible, we will give another score of one to ten on how impactful they'll be beyond this season, with one being uh, might as well not be rostered, and ten being future super keeper. So the way I had this organized, um, we're going to start with the guys. We're going to go hitters first, and then pitchers, and then we're going to go we're going to go triple A to double A. So we're going to start with a guy on my roster, Jordan Westberg. Uh, he is a Baltimore infielder. Um, he's eligible at second, third, and shortstop. I don't really know how Fantrax determines that, but I don't make the rules. I do, but. Um, the current he is currently at triple a he is 24 years old um i'll give you some stats his slash his triple slash right now is 300 378 600 that's a 978 ops um pretty solid walk rate 9.8 percent um also not striking out a whole lot 22 percent k rate um and this was kind of you, you can't before i read this this out you can't really read too much into this i just did this for fun because it was i I I calculated their points at their respective levels. So Jordan Westberg has so far this season at AAA scored 228.9 points, and that is good for a 4.09 points per game, uh, and that is through 56 games at AAA. All right, Jerwin, your thoughts on Jordan Westberg? I having – so this is a name that I really hadn't heard much uh, outside of seeing him get picked up and dropped and picked up and dropped uh, on the waiver wire. Um, and, and, and that's no slight. I've been doing that with Max, uh, Max Meyer all year. Cause I, whenever uh, an IL spot opens up for me, I just stash someone. Um, but then I anyways, I, I digress. Uh, but I, I'm kind of impressed with these numbers um and he's already a triple a he's 24 years old i i think his chances of getting the call this year are decent um so i went ahead and and gave him a five it feels like like a gunner henderson kind of guy um really just tearing it up this season so um so i i think that raises his chances for me Give him a six, and I'm not like I don't think his upside's super high. I think he's going to be more of like oh, I'm happy that I'm rostering this guy. I can he can fill in at a couple spots. Um, he's pretty versatile, rather than like a league winner. Um, even though he's been very good, like he's striking out less. Uh, I think since was it late May, his um his strikeout rates down to around fifteen percent. Um, so I like that, especially in our format. The biggest thing, like, I'm not really sure why he hasn't gotten called already. And, like, the same thing could be said for the next guy, Colton Kowser, who were, who's also on Baltimore. Like, his competition right now, I think, is Jorge Mateo. And mm-hmm. he's, like, he's just been a complete offensive black hole in the, uh, in the Orioles lineup. So I'm not really sure. Like, they're in contention. I don't really know why he's, why they keep throwing Mateo out there. If he's like, he's just, he's just dreadful at the plate. Um, he's like, he's actually like one of the worst hit, worst qualified hitters in the entire league. I don't know why he's, why they keep doing, throwing him out there. But anyways, um, my worry with Westberg is like, I, I kind of 
I kind of buy the breakout because he wasn't he wasn't really considered an offensive prospect for a while. Um, I think that started last year, and then his he's just continued to to improve this year uh, to where he is now. But my worry is I think a lot of his power comes to the pool side, and I'm worried he's going to get. I guess we'll call it Mount Castled, where Camden Yards mm-hmm. is just like the new dimensions of Camden Yards are just going to eat his power alive. And uh, that would be that would be my worry with it because I I I don't believe he gets like premium exit velocities or anything. Like I think he's more. I don't think it's as, it's as drastic as like Alex Bregman where he just gets the most out of uh, his frame power wise because all his powers to the pool side. I don't think it's quite like that. Um, but I I think most of his power is to that pool side, and I would I would worry that. Camden Yards would just kind of sap that and uh, that would kind of ruin that part of him. <laughs> so I didn't go, I didn't go higher. Um, I only went to a, went to a six. I'm not sure why he's not up yet though. That's a little weird. Uh, moving on to our next guy, Colton Kowser, sticking with the Orioles. He is currently, uh, he is currently a center fielder. Um, and I did actually did not know this. He is eligible to be kept in the 19th round. I did not know that. Um, current level triple a he is 23 years old um, he's coming back from an injury um, I don't remember how many games it is that he's actually been back so far but uh, he is slashing 336 482 566 he has an OPS over a thousand most impressively though is this walk rate is over 20 percent 21.1 percent walk rate to a 22.6 percent k rate which is obviously fantastic in our format especially and uh he has he currently like i said he's gonna have a lower total because he didn't play as many games but he has 173.1 points for a 4.12 points per game and that's through 42 games so he's at 14 less than westberg um like i said he's just coming off an injury but his stats after the injury i believe have been very good so he's kind of just picked up where he left off uh jerwin go ahead with your thoughts yeah, I uh, feel a lot better about Kowser because I, I had heard of him going into the year. That's going to be probably a theme moving forward. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, like you said, it, the walk rate for me is the the real indicator that like he's got a chance to produce at the major league level. I went ahead and gave him a seven for this season. Uh, and since he's keeper eligible, uh, I gave him an eight, just a little higher, because he's got he's got a pretty good discount. Um, even if he comes up and kind of struggles a little bit to start, the nineteenth round I think is like if you're if you're hurting for keepers and you need that fifth guy, or perhaps you're you're looking for someone in the expansion draft. He's got the kind of upside and looks like he has the kind of profile for our league that could could make that 19th round pick worth it. I mean, Riley Green had a struggled a lot last year when he got called up, and I kept him in the 12th, I think it was. Um, so yeah, Colton Kowser, I think, can can certainly be worth it for next season. Yeah, I, I went, uh, I guess I could just give both of my 
numbers. I went sevens for both. Um, Kowser, I, I, he's he's going to play in Camden Yards too, but um, I I believe in the power a little more than I do for Westberg. Um, Kowser profiles a little more as like your typical big power hitter than than Westberg does. So I'm not as worried about like like I'm going to say Cal. I feel like Kowser is going to hit like big boy home runs that Camden's not going to be able to swallow. So um, I I would I, I'm more confident in Kowser's power translating than I am Westberg's, but. Um, the play discipline too is looks really good, and it's it's nice to see that he has such command of of the plate and his profile uh, looks looks like it looks like it's gonna like our format is going to be like kind of his best format across the board. So he might be one of those guys that maybe isn't rated as highly in like traditional fantasy leagues or traditional uh, fantasy rankings, but for our league in particular, he's he's a standout hitter um and like you said the 19th round that's really really pretty solid which by the way i didn't know he was eligible in the 19th round so i did just come up with my number right off the top of my head but yeah i i'm very impressed with kowser he's another one though i'm not really sure i mean i i know he's he got hurt that kind of unfortunate timing for him but he uh with, with mullins out like the Ori- do you know who the Orioles have out there right now? Aaron Hicks. Oof. Aaron Hicks is playing every day for the Orioles at at this moment in time. Which is like, why are they doing that? Why not just bring up Colton Kowser, who who's better than he's definitely better than Hicks offensively. He's probably pretty close defensively too. Um, so I. Like Hicks, there, there's no way that he should be an everyday player in any lineup, let, let alone, well, maybe like the athletics lineup, but let alone a lineup that's trying to compete. So both those guys, I'm not, I have no idea why the Orioles have not called up Westberg or Kowser at this point. Because they're, and their lineup could be pretty scary good if they get both those guys in here. But anyways, we'll move on to the next one. And that is Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, he is not keeper eligible. He is he is uh, the first base, third base for those darn Cincinnati Reds. Um, he's currently a triple A. He's 23 years old. Um, he's currently hitting 362, 427 with, get this slug, is 734. And his OPS is 1.161. Uh, he's currently at a 9.5% walk rate and a 22.1% strikeout rate. And that is good for 198.4 points with a 472 points per game through 42 games. I'm not sure if he got hurt or if, I mean, I probably should have looked at maybe he started in double A. I'm not sure why his games are lower, but uh, anyways, Jerwin, your thoughts on Christian and Carnacion strand. Yeah, I'll start with the number on this one. I gave him an eight. Uh, the reason being, I, I I remember in preseason he he had a good shot of starting the year with the team. I forget exactly what happened. There was I, I think like Votto was supposed to be back, and that was kind of blocking him. Um, and. I don't know. It, he was he was one of those people. He was one of those players that like people were pretty excited about 
uh, and then he got sent down and people were upset. So um, he's another guy, I think, you know, with the guys that Cincinnati are calling up, he's he's got to be close, right? Um, so when he does get up here, I mean, he's he looks very well prepped to take advantage of uh the the kitty park in cincinnati so um yeah i think he could could be a big impact i think he could be a big impact too but maybe this is me needing clarification on the number so are we counting like proximity to when is okay so basically is our number from this moment forward or is our number from when they debut going forward Ah, uh, hmm. Because I did the the first one. <laughs> I I think I probably, I I think I probably considered both, but leaned towards because like the high end is like future league winner. So like technically, if they get caught up in the last two weeks of the season and go off, they've won you the league. But <laughs> but um, but yeah. So. Uh, I could be persuaded to lower my number if if you've got intel that he's going to be stuck for a while. But I don't have intel that he's going to be stuck for a while. I'm just kind of looking at the Reds and like all the guys that they've called up, and I'm sort of wondering like where he fits in. I guess. Yeah, they're out of and that sort of thing. Yeah, that and that's only going to get more crowded because like they're not like what you're going to play Joey Votto. Like they're definitely not going to bench him. So I'm not really sure where the because they like Encarnacion Strand, he's an infielder, and they the Reds just called up two infielders in Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz. How and they how already likely, have Jonathan India. Yeah. How likely do you think they are to like move move people out at the deadline? But I like who are the, who are like, they gonna move? Who are I mean, they I gonna guess, move from the infield? I, I guess that's true. Yeah, like and they're like, not gonna Joey I don't think Votto they're gonna trade. not worth it, is he? <laughs> well, they're not gonna trade Joey Votto. Yeah. So like maybe maybe designated hitter is his best path, but I mean I'm not I'm not sure. I I don't really doubt the skills too much. I mean like he doesn't have anything left to prove in the minors to me and like looking at him it just it doesn't seem like it seems like his blocker is playing time, which is why I gave him a 5 is I don't know when he's going to be here. I know that I get that the Reds are calling guys up left and right, but like the fact that they haven't called up Christian and Carnacion Strand, it's just there doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of space left, um, and that's, that's kind of my worry with with him. Uh, like I said, I don't really doubt the skills too much. He looks like it just he looks like a, a big power guy, but I, I he's an infielder, and they just called up two infielders. They have one locked with Joey Votto. He's not going anywhere. And they already have another one in Jonathan India. So like, where's he? I guess I I don't know. I don't I don't really. I'm not a fan of prospects who get called up and like, the if they're playing time, they say, oh well, like DH is the path. Then that that worries mm-hmm. me a little bit because they a lot of teams still use DH. Like there's not really I don't think many teams that have a dedicated DH. And uh, I don't know. That just I, I just worry where where he's going to play when he comes up, but uh. I don't know if he, even if he keeps hitting like this, he's going to force their hand. And like, if, if he hits, they'll, they'll find a way to get him in the lineup. So I think it's just a matter of time, but I'm not sure how long that's going to be, but let's move on to our next guy. 
Um, this is Kyle Manzardo. I think I said his last name correctly. Uh, Tampa Bay first baseman. He is eligible to be kept in the 21st round. He's currently at AAA. Uh, he is 22 years old. Triple slash is a little less impressive than the guys ahead of him. Um, 272, 373, 513. That is a 0.886 OPS. Uh, good plate discipline, though. 14.2% walk rate, a 19.7% K rate. Um, he is 153.3 points. That is 2.79 points per game. Uh, through 55 games. Jerwin, give me your thoughts on Kyle Manzardo. Um, I'm a little lower on him. He was a guy who I don't think... He, he wasn't on my radar coming into the year for someone super likely to get called up. And like you said, his his numbers aren't quite as impressive as the previous guys. His plate discipline looks pretty decent at AAA. Um, and I do trust the Tampa Bay Rays to develop hitters. They've they've really shown that they they can do a really good job with that. Um, I gave him I gave him a four just because um, I, I guess I don't know the situation in Tampa Bay exactly. I don't know who would be blocking him, but they're a pretty good lineup already. I don't know that they're hurting for hitters right now. Um, so that, that would be my only concern. I, I could be absolutely wrong about that. I didn't like go to Tampa Bay's website and, and find out for sure, but that would be my concern is he's like, I mean, like you said, for, for strand, uh, he, he just might not have a path in, um, like the others. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, sort of. I don't know if I gave my number. I gave him a four. Uh, I bumped it up to six for keeper next year because the the twenty first round is is very late. I went with uh, fives for or five for um, this year. I went for a six for next year. Um, Kyle Manzardo is pretty tricky. He got off to a good start this year, but it's slowed down a little bit recently. Um. I know that he's gotten some uh, Vinny P comps. Um, I haven't looked into how much that actually is true, but I have heard that one Vinny Pasquantino comps. Um, and he just like, from the, from what I've read about him, he just, he see, even though the numbers don't jump off the page, like some of the other guys do, um, it seems like he just is major league ready at this point. Now the issue seems to be, that the Rays have a lot of depth and they have a lot of depth uh, at those particular positions. And like the Rays don't, aren't always the most aggressive with promoting their top prospects mm -hmm. when, especially when the guys ahead of them have been playing well. And like, they're just like the names aren't really anyone great. I mean, it's like Luke Rayleigh, Harold Ramirez. And then, I mean, I guess Yandy Diaz plays the same positions as well, but um I don't really see a path forward for Manzardo unless somebody gets hurt. And like, even then I am, you said you trust the race to develop hitters. I, I don't trust the race to actually promote their guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right off the, right off the top. Like even 
I'd even worry like the Rays platoon so much and they've, they've shown that they're willing to do that sort of thing with their top prospects. Um, yeah. I remember Josh Lowe a few years ago uh, when he got called up. Um, I don't think that was last year or maybe it was, he was getting, he was considered one of the Rays top prospects and he was getting platooned. So I do worry about that a little bit. I'm not familiar with Manzardo's splits to, to know that if that would be, that would be warranted or not. But between the the depth that the Rays have, the fact that they're actually playing pretty well for, um, again, in Rayleigh and Ramirez's case, they're, I think we would consider them like lower caliber, but they're, they're playing well right now. Like there just doesn't seem like much reason to, uh, like, I, I guess I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't, I don't know if there's anything Manzardo can do that he's going to like force the Rays hand as long as those guys are performing. Cause there's, uh, I don't know. There just doesn't seem like a great path to playing time for him right now with the major league club. So that's why I went with a five. Um, like I said, I'm not totally familiar with the, with the Vinny P comps, but I'm, I'm going to trust what I'm reading here about him being kind of a major league caliber player. I don't know that he's going to be somebody that's a super keeper, but I, I do think that there's a chance he could be plenty useful as a, uh, as a late round pick. Um, so I'll say a six, just like kind of in the splitting hairs there, I guess, which I remember, uh, I remember Jordan was saying we do too much. We go in the middle. <laughs> and I think I've done that with like every one of my numbers so far or almost all of them. That's okay. All right, moving on. Now we're going to get to the hitters in double A, um, starting with Jackson Chirio. Uh, he is a center fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. He is a keeper in the 21st round. Um, his current level is double A. He is only 19 years old, um, so he is young for that level. Uh, he is currently slashing 253, 306, 407. That is a 713 OPS um, with a 6.6% walk rate and a 23.6% strikeout rate. He has 150.6 points. And a and two point seven nine points per game, and that's through fifty four games. Jerwin, I know we talked about Chirio because he got traded um, earlier in the year, but give me your thoughts on Chirio. Yeah, I I think I said on the draft recap episode that this felt like another um, Jack Lighter, where he's just not expected to be up this year. I don't know why he was drafted. I don't know why he was traded. And I think I'm just going to stick to that here. I'm I'm giving him a 1. I don't I don't know why he's here. I he's not been that impressive at the AA level. He's he's a very highly touted prospect. And like you said he's 19. He's got plenty of years left to develop and become a a worthwhile player in this league. I just don't think it's this year. Um for his for his keeper value, since it's so late, I gave him a two, but I, I'm still, you know, he would have to like tear the cover off the ball down the stretch and, you know, have a chance of breaking camp with with the team if if you're gonna take him with the twenty first pick next year. So I went I went with a zero for this year because like I said, I don't think there is any 
shot that it's he comes up It's a scale of one to ten. Well, I went a zero. There so are rules. I went extreme. <laughs> well, I guess it. Jordan. I guess Jordan's happy now. You know what? I'm in the power chair. I'll do whatever I want. I went with zero. <laughs> uh, for Kurt, he's not coming up this year. There's just there's no way. Um, I think I know you said the numbers don't jump off the page. I think he has to be given the benefit of the doubt with that, though. I mean, the fact that he's even at double way at age 19 is impressive and oh, even more absolutely. impressive. Yeah. Even more impressive to me though. It doesn't feel like, I mean, the results aren't great, but it doesn't feel like he's totally overmatched. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that by looking at his, his strikeout rate is only about 23%, which is, yeah. which is very good um, really for any level, but for, for a 19 year old in double way, that tells me that he's not being, he's not completely outmatched. Um, I just I just happened to glance. He only played six games last year at the double A level, but he had like a forty two percent strikeout rate. So I mean extremely small sample size, but he's he's at least bounced back from from that start at at double A from last season. Yeah, I think out of all the guys on this list, maybe maybe with the exception of Andrew Painter, but um Chirios, I guess spoilers, we're gonna talk about him later, but Chirio has the highest future value of anybody, but I do worry. Like he is the most potential out of anybody on this list, certainly out of the hitters. Um, and, and maybe Kalzer might end up being better for our format, but okay, I'll just say he is the highest. I think Chirio has the highest ceiling out of anybody here. The issue I think is like he's nineteen. I don't think I I don't see the Brewers rushing him so i think what what would need to happen uh he needs to he, he i want to say he needs to show improvement at double way because like i said this even that he's it feels like he's more of holding his own right now i don't think the brewers are going to be aggressive with him and i say that because they have they have depth at the outfield position um even in the even in the minor still with uh sal freelick um and they just even Joey Weimer is kind of turning it around a little bit. They still have Yelich entrenched there. Like I, I just I don't think, I don't think the Brewers are going to be in a position where they need to rush him. And that's where the worry with the keeper value would come in because he's, um, like like if he's not going to break camp with the team next year, or like we we think that may like if he starts next year, let's say in AAA, he's gonna that that's pretty good. I would probably keep him at that point, but like. I don't know if he keeps up this current level. I don't think he's probably going to start. I don't think he's going to start the year at AAA. And like, there's definitely no guarantee that's going to happen just because he's, you know, there's still plenty of time left, but he's only 19. Um, I don't know. I'm, I I don't want to say like I'm, I'm waffling, but yeah, like he's, he's, he's definitely got the potential. I just worry about the timeline. Um, and there's probably going to be questions going into next year. Like there, there's, there's a good chance he doesn't debut at all next year. And that, I don't think that's going to, that would shock anybody. Um, and he, like, he still has a whole nother level of the minors to potentially conquer in triple a. Um, and he had like, he hasn't hit out of his mind in this one. So um, he's still got one more level to go, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not like crazy confident that he'll be up within the next say like two years but i was gonna i am gonna trust the prospect pedigree here i'm gonna trust all the scouts that say he uh he's got as much ups he's got 
as much upside as anybody on this list. So I gave his future value, gave it or not his future value. I gave his keeper number, gave it a seven because wow. I, think, I think the twenty first round. That's like that's you you can keep a prospect there. Like that's where we're drafting a lot of these guys, anyways. So I think if you want to keep him there, just secure to secure him at that point, that's fine. If you want to keep him there, I, I don't have any problem with somebody doing that. I, I don't think he's like, as of this moment in time, I don't think that he's anything more than like a flyer just because we don't like, we haven't seen him totally conquer double way. He still has triple way to go. The, and there's no like immediate path forward for him. Um, but as the Brewers top prospects, like, once he shows he's ready, he's going to be up. Um, I just, he's young enough that it, it's, it does make you wonder how soon that'll be, but the cost is low enough. The, his upside's high enough. I, th I think a seven is, is appropriate here. Moving on to another guy in double A. This is Arizona shortstop Jordan Lawler. He is a 16th round keeper. Um, like I said, he's in double A. He is 20 years old. He's currently hitting 238, 335, 443. It is a 778 OPS. Um, he is a, an 11.2% walk rate, 24.7% uh, strikeout rate. He is 144.4 points, and that is good for a 3.01 points per game, and that's through 48 games. Uh, Jerwin, thoughts on Jordan Lawler? Did you draft him, by the way? Or no, that I was did, Brennan who drafted him. It was Brennan who drafted him. I did comment on on when he was drafted. I don't know if that was on the podcast or just in general when, when we were drafting. But anyways, um, I am just slightly higher on Lawler than Trio. Um, I gave him a two for this year. Um, the reason being is he was on my radar as someone who had the potential to to get the call this season um i know i think you and i have talked about it again i can't remember if that was on the podcast specifically or not um but i, I think you disagree with that so i'll let you talk about that when when you do that um so i think there's at least a chance that he gets called up this season um but for me, it's still only a two because you know he's had a fair bit of struggles at trip at sorry at double A, um, and he's only one year older than Trio, so he he's still pretty darn young. Um, and I was I didn't go any higher for his keeper value partly because it's the sixteenth round and that's a bit heftier of a price to pay. It's not like you know it's not he's not going inside the inside the first 10 rounds or anything crazy like that. Like I, I could see it being justifiable, but um, I guess, you know, you're probably going to have better keepers around that round um, or just want to use your pick on someone more proven uh, in that area. Um, so yeah, two and two for me. Uh, this is another guy. I'll, <laughs> I get, so I was originally going to give him a zero, but I'll give him a one. I'll leave the door open because I think there is the teeniest chance that he gets like a September cup of coffee. Um, so I gave him a one for current value. I gave him a four for 
future value. Um, and well, future, I, I say future value, keeper value, looking at his current keeper round and you know how likely would I be to keep him? But you're right, 16th round is quite a bit heftier than uh, than the 21st. Um, I, I get it's like the kind of the back end of the mid rounds, but I mean, like 21st is that's decisively a late round pick. This is a little more in the middle of the draft. You're still kind of getting your you're taking your upside shots here. And um, Lawler is certainly that, but he's uh, it's not very proven. Um, I know he has some high pedigree, but I don't know that he's going to be. Like it's tough to say that he's going to break camp with the team. I know that the I know the Diamondbacks have, I think his name is Geraldo Perdomo. I think is his, his full name. He was a, a uh, not at a top prospect at the level of Lawler's uh, or Lawler's level, but he was a, a decently well regarded prospect in his own right. He's currently manning shortstop for the Diamondbacks, so I think the probably the path forward is actually. Um, I think they currently have Evan Longoria manning third base. So I think if there's going to be an opening, it's probably there. Um, which that that seems like a reasonably like a reasonable path forward because you know Longoria is old, and I I don't think he's under contract for next year either. So that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe if Lawler turns it around and and I shouldn't say turns it around like he's not he's not hitting terribly, but if he turns it on down the stretch, I think there's a reasonable opening there. And heading into camp next year, I think that there is there's a chance that he could be, if he's not breaking camp with the team as the third as the starting third baseman, maybe he's up within a couple months or a month or two, which is fine. It's tough. I guess I should say this. It's tough for me to evaluate these double A guys because. I'm realizing I'm extremely impatient and like, I don't want to wait this long for a prospect. Cause like if I had it, like, so for what Nate's doing with Jackson Chirio, I don't think there's any way he's coming up this year. I would not want to roster him just because I don't want to sacrifice the bench spot all year. And like knowing, like I, I would be committing myself to playing with a short bench all year. That's fine. If Nate wants to do that, like I'm not that I'm not dissing that strategy. Like that's, that's worked plenty of times for other people. And like, he thinks that the trade-off is worth it. I, it's, I'm just too impatient for that, I guess. So, like, when I'm looking at prospects, I'm more evaluating them based on proximity. Um, if, if there's a guy that has a lot of upside, that's cool. But it's just, I don't know. It's just not my thing as much. I'd rather, I'd rather have that bench spot to, uh, you know, have a probably have a bench pitcher if you look at my roster. But um, yeah, that's. I guess that's just kind of explaining my own philosophy so it is tough to not have that personal bias in it like i don't want anything to do with lawler right now because i know he's not i'm pretty sure he's not going to be up this year even if he is i don't know not not a huge fan right now so i I guess like if you're thinking my numbers are a little lower that's that's probably why (laughs) it's my own personal opinion i don't want to i don't want to be burning a bench spot but yeah um I think I gave my numbers. It was a it was a one and a four, and um, or did I say a five? I didn't write it down. I think it was a four. It was probably a four. Uh, but anyways, moving on to our last double A hitter, Jason Dominguez, who was in the trade that shall not be named. Um, he is a 
he is the New York Yankees center fielder, 26th round. He is currently a double A, uh, 20 years old. He is he is hitting 210, 364, 392. Uh, that is an OPS of 756. Great walk rate, 19.5%. Um, K rate's also not out of control, 25. He currently has 166.9 points, which is good for 3.21 points per game through 52 games. Jerwin, your thoughts on Jason Dominguez, which we don't have to go real long because we already kind of gave our thoughts on Jason Dominguez in the last episode. Yeah, that's true. I, I just noticed that it said the 26th round on my on the itinerary. Did you say 26th? Because I definitely put that in wrong. I did. And you know what? I didn't think anything of it. It's, it's so definitely the, the 21st. <laughs> it's the 21st round. Okay. Well, moving on. 21st uh, round. Correction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no secret how Jake and I feel about Jason Dominguez. Um, a one for this year. I I gave him a one for keeper value, but I feel like that's kind of low now considering... I think what you've said about the last couple guys have kind of has kind of persuaded me to be a bit more bullish on keeping keeping high end prospects like this. I I guess I would probably go. I, I'll bump it up to a two where I had Lawler. Um, like his his numbers are a little bit less impressive um then Lawler's this year more games and tech, you know more quote unquote points but um and the walk rate is pretty good he he's a highly touted prospect you know what i'm going to go i'm going to go 3 in the 21st round because it's it's much later than Lawler um he he could be worth it next next year um i i don't know i i i guess Maybe you can answer this. Like I've I've been lower on keeper value so far with these double A guys. What about them makes you feel better about them? I think it part of it is I'm trying to over I was trying to overcompensate a little bit for my own like implicit bias because I would not really want to like I don't I don't want to roster these guys. So I'm trying to think of it as a from the perspective, okay, if I had to roster them and they were on my like they were in my keeper pool heading into next year. I have already kept them a year and I'm, I'm mad or I haven't kept them a year. I've already rostered them a year and I'm mad. I've, I've already gotten my anger out that I've had to waste a bench spot all year. How would I feel about it? And like, we're at that point, we're one year closer to them potentially getting a call. So at that point, like I'm okay with it if I'm looking at it from that standpoint but i have to come like for me to be able to get there i have to completely remove the downside of keeping like burning a bench spot all year which i don't like doing and which i would not do uh like i said too impatient so that's that's kind of where i'm coming from with that thought process if that makes sense like i'm trying to view it from if i if they were in my keeper pool heading into next year and i had the option to keep them how would I feel about it? I guess I guess for me, I would just hope that my keeper pool was better than that. Like I would have five guys already. 
Like at best, I think these double A guys are a expansion draft, um, expansion keeper pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I here's the here's the other thing though. Like, I have to feel good about them coming up relatively soon because I don't even like uh, keeping guys who are who I think aren't going to debut until like mid season, late season. Like, I'm even too impatient yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not even I would not keep a guy because like I wouldn't keep that type of player either. So I, I have to feel good about them debuting relatively soon. The reason I went higher on Chirio is because I'm trusting the the scouts and everything else that I'm seeing that he's he he could develop into a you know an an extreme super prospect. So I have to leave open that avenue that he's going to be that good. Now that goes both ways. There's still plenty of time for like things to go wrong. And we've seen that before. Even with with Jason Dominguez, there was when he first uh he he was drawing mike trout comparisons when he first got signed by the yankees mm-hmm. and his prospect stock has only decreased since then yeah he's still very good like he's still i mean he's still considered a very good prospect but he's not really we don't talk about him how we were talking about you know like ellie de la cruz or some other guys like that um because he was kind of anointed as that like super prospect when he was or the future super prospect when he was really young and like baseball is hard and things happened. Now he's not at that level anymore or he's not regarded at that level anymore. Yeah. So like you kind of have to leave open that avenue, but with, with trio, I, I do feel a little better about him than um, like Lawler or, uh, or Dominguez. So that's why my number with, with him in particular was higher. Gotcha. I guess, is it my is it my turn now? I don't I don't know. If yeah, you, I guess you can give your thoughts. numbers too and stop answering <laughs> my questions. <laughs> okay, zero for Dominguez. He will not be up this year. Um, so zero for his current value, and this was kind of this was a struggle because on one hand, like his um his walk rate is great, and that's awesome that he's able to uh. You know that he's that he has he has that command of the strike zone, but his hit tool has struggled for ever since he got promoted to double A. And um, even when he was in he was in A ball, it, it took him longer than you would want to adjust. So that being said, like I don't know that he's going. It it seems like it takes him a little longer to to adjust to the you know like the making contact part, <laughs> which is pretty important. Um once he gets to a certain level and I don't think the Yankees have ever been the type of organization that like aggressively promotes their prospects. You know, I'm talking like the jump from the double from double a straight to the majors. So I'm assuming that he's going to have to tackle triple a, and I don't know how long it's going to take him to actually do that. Um, so considering that, I don't think he would be, I think he's, he's a guy who won't be up this year for sure. Um, I have my doubts that he'll be up next year. Maybe it would be like a cup of coffee situation or, but he would have, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be one where he has to, or where he's going to uh, like skip a level and just be up. Um, And he has not shown that he can hit double A pitching yet. So all that being said, there seems like there's a lot more questions with Dominguez than some of the other guys. So I only gave him a two for future value. I don't, I think that he's one of the, he's a guy that's going to 
uh, be thrown back. Nobody will take him and he will be redrafted. Um, and I guess I could, I guess if I'm, I'm kind of reconsidering my number for, for Lawler might go a little bit lower, maybe like a three. I don't know. I feel better about him debuting next year, but as I'm kind of talking myself out of him, <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to amend my number, my future number for Lawler to a three. I'm going to, I'm, I'm sticking with a two for, for Dominguez. Although I, I feel like I might even go a little harsher or maybe I should go harsher. I'm going to go to a one for Dominguez. So yeah, I, I just, I kind of talked myself out of some of those double A players. Maybe it was too, maybe it was also, I was like, like I said before, I think I was overcompensating because I like I knew coming in that I already didn't like that type of prospect. But let's go into the pitchers. We only got two of them, so we'll finish up here. Um, the first of which is on your team. Um, and I'm realizing I did this backwards because I started with the triple. Actually, these are both on your team, so we don't even have to worry about that. Uh, we'll we'll start with we'll start with paint with Andrew Painter. Um, he's being kept in the he can be kept as a 14th round pick. Uh, pitcher for the Phillies currently at double A um, he's been hurt pretty much all year so he has only pitched in five games so far but the results have been very good 254 ERA uh, 095 whip uh, really minuscule walk rate he's only at 1.8 percent walk rate um, as opposed to excuse me a almost 34 percent strikeout rate uh, but like I said only five games so he only has 83 points but 16.6 points per game. So the results have been very good so far in a very, in a very limited sample size. But as far as I know, he has not had any health setbacks since then. So that is good news as well. Uh, Jerwin, your guy, Andrew Painter, how do you feel about him? For this year, I gave him a kind of a lower number. I mean, obviously, so both these guys, I believe they're actually going to be 10 out of 10 league winners this year but you know to keep things interesting on the podcast i'll i'll give you know uh, i'll try to hem myself in a bit uh i gave him a four for this season and the reason being is just the injury concerns um you know he's not going to be back for a little while still he just started some some bullpen sessions um and like you said, the recovery seems to be going well so far. He hasn't had any setbacks, which is great. But it was a UCL strain, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I want to say Shane Boz last year was dealing with a similar. He he was dealing with some arm injuries, came back, looked good, and then got hurt again, and is you know, you know, out for the whole year this year. So I have similar concerns for painter um and he hasn't pitched above the double a level so that's another reason to be perhaps hesitant um but it's my understanding that like if he wasn't hurt he would be in the phillies rotation like he was going to break camp and then and then got hurt that's that's yeah that that's what i got too that's actually the reason why like for uh, i'm just gonna keep going with my thoughts now um you're cut off the uh (laughs) the uh this is the big difference like he he was very he was tough to to evaluate and it's for a lot of the reasons like you said the reason i'm not as worried about him compared to some of the hitters in double a 
uh, you're right. He if he I wholeheartedly believe that if he did not get hurt, he would have broken camp in the Phillies rotation. Yeah. So clearly they don't have a problem with that. I, I don't think like I don't think there's any reason to believe that they would reconsider that stance now. Um, so I, I don't think that like, I don't think that the level here is, or his age is really a blocker. Now the 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 injury concerns that is the tricky part because uh, I mean I'm a, I'm maybe a, I'm like so desensitized now to pitcher to like young pitcher arm injuries that like I feel like it's only a matter of time before the Tommy John surgery happens with all these guys. Mm. I'm not aware if he's had his yet and really one is not always the end either so this was a very concerning injuries the fact that i think he will be up this year so i feel really good about him being up this year so i gave i gave him a six for this year and i could even i might even go higher to a seven because he's like i think he's the real deal some some places had him ranked higher than grayson rodriguez coming into this year so very highly touted. Yeah, like I, I think Painter's the real deal. The issue is that arm injury. Like I, f- I really feel like, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to project an injury, but like I really feel like it's only a matter of time. And you, you mentioned Shane Baz. Like that's immediately where my mind went. Like this is just this feels like Shane Baz 2.0. That being said, I think it, I'm assuming that he makes it through the year healthy. I, I don't think you have any choice but to keep him. Yeah. Because I think he's that good. Um, I mean, unless he comes up and pulls a Grayson Rodriguez and totally stinks. Yeah. And that's all we see of him. But uh yeah, I he's such a tricky one, but for my future value number, for my future or keeper, whatever how we do that second number. I I split it down the middle because I well I gave him a four. Because, like, I think I just feel like the devastating injury is coming, and it's only a matter of time. And then, like, you're not gonna have like your de- after he after he gets hurt. Like, I hate to say after he gets hurt. Like, if he gets hurt, you're not gonna keep him after that. Yeah. Because I feel like it's gonna be a devastating injury, and the timetable is gonna be too long. It wouldn't make sense to keep him. So I I gave him a four on the future, but I think he if he comes up, I would feel okay about him making it through this year. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm giving him, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go seven. He's really good, but yeah, that injury is a little scary. Sorry. I, you you can finish your, your thoughts. Yeah. Even though I, I cut him, you off. It's all right. I, I gave him a nine for keeper value. Just basically like sure. There's the injury concern. And I, I guess I kind of poo pooed that if he makes it through this year, like you said, you can't. You have to keep him in the fourteenth round. If he's if he's gonna be healthy, he's gonna be good. Um, I I guess for me he'd be a ten if he didn't have injury concerns. All right, let's finish up with the last pitcher also on your team, and that's Gavin Williams. Uh, he can be kept in the twentieth round. Currently a triple A. He is twenty three years old. Um, two eighty five ERA, one oh seven WHIP. Um, and he has an 11.1% walk rate to a 34.6% strikeout rate, 93 points, 11.6 points per game, but that's only through eight games. Uh, Jerwin, your thoughts on Gavin Williams? 
Um, I was so I don't I don't think he's as good a pitcher as Painter is, obviously. Um, but I think he's more likely to be up earlier, and he starts with RP eligibility instead of SP eligibility, which is weird. I don't know that he's ever play uh, been a reliever at at any level, but I don't know how Fantrax figures that out. But in terms of positions, Fantrax works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Um. So I think I think he's going to be pretty valuable down the stretch, and I think he's going to be up probably sooner than. Andrew Painter, certainly. Um, I think it's only a matter of time for him and, and the Cleveland rotation. Uh, the concerns are the high walk rate. And if you if you look at like his like fan graphs page, his history, he tends to have a have a big spike in walk rate when he moves up a level. So like this year from double A AA to triple A, his walks are back up. Um, so presumably that's going to happen when he gets to the major league level as well. Um, but the following year they go back down. So all that to say, um, uh, I think I, I gave him a seven for this season, just cause I think he's going to have more playing time, uh, than a guy like Andrew Painter and he doesn't have the, the super scary injury concerns. Um, and then I also gave him a nine for keeper value. Uh, cause he's, he's available later in the draft. Um, and like I said, he, he has shown a, an ability to, you know, learn from his first experience of a new level and improve the following season. So I think he's got a good chance to be good this year. And I think he's got a good chance to get even better next year. Uh, I'm a little lower than you. So the way I, the way I look at pitching prospects, um, I guess like it's tough to feel super confident unless, and this is going to sound weird. It's tough to feel super confident in anybody unless you're like super confident that he's the, like the <laughs> dude. And yeah. I feel that way about Andrew Painter. I don't quite feel that way about Gavin Williams. So I went a little bit lower. Um, I, I think he's going to be good, but it is really tough to project pitching prospects. So I, sure. I get, I gave him a four for this year. Like I, normally the road is pretty bumpy. Um, but I do like the upside. I gave him a six for the future value or the future keeper value. Um, because he is, uh, so late in the, uh, in the draft, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, I, I like what he does. The fastball especially is very good, but I don't think he's quite as bulletproof at pitching prospect as I feel like painter is. Um, but Cleveland does know what they're doing with her in terms of pitching prospects. And they generally, uh, they generally perform well. So maybe I'll bump up his, his future value to like a seven, just uh, faith in the organization. And he, they, they've done well with uh, Bybee and Allen. Um, and I know that he's the Williams is the, the most highly touted of that group. So I can, I can bump him up a little bit. Uh, so that's all for us with the the prospects. So let's go on to our matchup preview. Uh, Jerwin, give me a thing to watch for. Uh, I uh, am tying in my my takeaway. I feel like a, that's kind of been a pattern for me. Take the whatever my takeaway was for this week. I'm I'm watching for it this week. So 
my thing to watch for is teams are pretty much at capacity with injuries. Um, will we see more this week and push some squads into desperation mode? You know, you're dropping guys that you would rather not drop because you just need to fill fill a roster spot, that sort of thing. So my thing to watch for is a story I saw earlier that the Marlins might send down Yuri Perez. The Marlins, who are seven games over 500 in second place in the National League East, might send down Yuri Perez, who's been one of their better pitchers recently. And I, I'm very curious to see if they do this because my first, my first thing is like, why would they do this? Um, he's performed well, I guess, to keep down his innings. But like, you're the Marlins. You haven't been in, you haven't been relevant in forever. Wouldn't you want to give people hope uh, for your team? I would think so. So I am very curious to see if they actually go through with this. I, I think the idea is um, once Trevor Rogers comes back, uh, and I think he's due back within the next week or so, that Perez would be the one who gets cut from the rotation. I'm just very surprised and a little saddened that this is happening. So that's my thing to watch for. Um, a team in contention is sending down one of their better pitchers, but uh, let's go to the matchups. Um, the first, the, well, we'll go to the prediction records first. Jarrah, when you had a 500 week last week, so your current record is 32 and 22. Uh, that is a 592 win percentage. I had a five and one uh, matchup pick record, which means that Fantrax also had a five and one matchup pick record because we unfortunately picked the same teams for each game. Uh, I am currently leading the pack with a 645 win percentage. Fantrax is sitting at 600. We did not have a guest on last week, so they are still sitting at 600 because I have not imported uh, Jordan and Nate's matchup picks and maybe i never will so going to the actual matchups themselves um starting with me versus league villain nick um i was originally going to pick league villain nick but i saw that uh john gray is out was out with a blister so i figured um the luck must be on my side this week so i flipped my pick to me uh i also i also picked you in this one and Fantrax did as well. Moving on to the rivalry, Mike versus Eddie. Of course, I have to go with Eddie because historically he has owned Mike, uh, no matter the sport. Interesting. I I went with Mike. Uh, so hopefully, I, hopefully, I pick up some ground on you then. Fantrax also picked Mike, so there's my difference. I can now uh, pick the same as Fantrax the rest of the way. Uh, Jerwin versus Sam. I picked Sam here. Um, who did you take? I I went with myself. Sam Sam has been kind of struggling struggling lately, and I, I despite my injuries, I finished above the median this past week. So, um, I still I still like my odds here, and obviously guess, positivity. And I have to pick myself. Yeah, I guess this is this is your one in one week where you have to where you'll do the head to head win. That Man, is I true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Back and forth. Uh, next match, oh, Fantrax also picks Sam. Uh, next matchup is Scott versus Brendan. I picked Brendan here. I picked Brendan to stay hot. Keep the keep the story alive. I like it. I I also went with Brendan. I 
I think I mentioned last week I've been riding with Brendan for you know as long as he's had this streak going and he's he's done me pretty well so and and Scott's so, shown some uh chinks in the armor so uh I I agree he should Brendan should handle business Next matchup is Nate versus JC's slightly less shiny new team um I am taking Nate in this one I also took Nate. Uh, let's finish off with Nick Lee versus Jordan. I took Nick Lee in this one. And same for me. RIP Jordan and his season. Going out of news and notes, uh, starting with call-ups, we only have two. Uh, and that is Edward Julian, who is making his return for the injured, spoilers, Jorge Polanco. Uh, he's a twin second baseman. And Nolan Jones. Uh, he's the outfielder for the Rockies. Jerwin, any thoughts on these two? Uh, I think I saw briefly that Nolan Jones has been decent since getting called up. I know it's, you know, how like just a handful of at-bats at this point. Um, so that's interesting. He does play for the Rockies, so he'll get he'll get course field, uh, which is which is always a good thing for hitters. Um, and he's another guy I kind of he was at least on my radar as someone to maybe draft uh, preseason. So that should be interesting. Julian, as far as I know, wasn't great when he got called up and then got sent right back down. And he's he's called up now for another injury. So it feels like he's just here until Polanco returns. Um, so less excited about him. Yeah, I'm not crazy about Julian. Um, I don't know that he like maybe it wasn't maybe it's not fair to judge him off of the his first round or his first go at the majors, but um, he didn't really show a whole lot to be impressed with. I guess um, I guess I should also say to be fair, he he was also like on my radar as a potential draft pick in in the preseason, but yeah, we saw him once already, so it's like less exciting now. Yeah, Jones, on the other hand, has he has a lot of power, but he also strikes out like a lot, a lot. <laughs> um, and it's I'm I'm not sure that like in our format in particular, where you really get penalized for strikeouts, that Course Field's gonna be able to salvage that. Um, because like I said, he strikes out like a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have no send downs, so that is good. Less. Um, that is that is a positive. Uh returns. We have Alec Bohm and then two relievers, Andres Munoz and Jose Alvarado. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on these ones. One note, I don't think, I think both Munoz and Alvarado were probably out long enough that they've lost their chances at the closer job. Cause I think Seawald has kind of, um, he's kind of solidified himself as the, the Mariners closer. Um, it looks like Munoz is going to be the setup guy. And uh, while Alvarado was out, Craig Kimbrell decided to actually remember how to pitch and is apparently good again. So it looks like, and based on usage so far, Alvarado has set up Kimbrell. And I think all of, I don't know if it's all of the appearances that he, all the high leverage appearances that he's had since he's come back have been uh, pitching in front of Kimbrell. So I think it's pretty safe to say both those guys are going to be in setup roles. I don't know if you have any, thoughts on any on any of them uh i hadn't heard that news so that is interesting um munoz should still be 
really good. I I think I was targeting him as a setup guy. Like I, I think I was kind of assuming that Seawald was gonna be the guy um in that bullpen anyways. So Munoz is definitely good to get back. Sad sad for Alvarado that he he's not gonna have as high a ceiling as as we were hoping. Yeah, let's let's finish off with injuries. Uh, Vinny P uh, is is hurt with shoulder instability. Um, not quite sure what exactly is wrong with his shoulder. Besides, so I guess it's it's unstable. Um, Jordan Alvarez is the has an oblique. Um, he is going to be yeah he has an oblique. He's out with an oblique injury. I'm sure he has one. Um, Jorge Polanco is back Not anymore. On the... <laughs> Jorge Polanco back on the injured list with a hamstring. Um, I believe this is the same hamstring that he was out with before. Uh, Jake Fraley, um, I can't remember if he got put on the injured list or if he's just day to day right now, but he has a wrist injury. Sad news for Liam Hendricks. He has elbow inflammation. He is on the injured list. Uh, Pete Alonzo got hit with the pitch, and um, originally he was day to day but he was put on the injured list with a wrist injury. I believe the timetable was what four to six weeks, or is that too long? Or is that three Alvarez? To, three to four, three okay. to four weeks. Is okay. Alvarez must be the four to six. Cause I keep mix. I keep mixing them up uh, on the, on the pitcher side, we got back to back for league villain, Nick uh, Julio Arias was supposed to start on Sunday, but he had a setback with that hamstring injury. I don't think it's supposed to be too serious, but it's going to delay his return about another week or so, assuming all goes well. And Brian Helsley has a forearm injury, so it looks like, at least for the time being, that Giovanni Gallegos will be the Cardinals' closer. All right, all those injuries, as always, what manager gets the most sympathy? I'm going to go ahead and give it to Scott here. You you take the big risk drafting drafting Liam Hendricks this year and it pays off. The man beats cancer. He comes back. He's looking looking like he's just big brain move and now he's got elbow problems, which is like the last thing you want to see. Um so yeah. Uh big sad for Scott Pro- very up and down roller coaster for him on this one for sure. I'm going to give the most sympathy to Brendan uh, because he lost his best hitter in what has been a resurgent couple weeks for him. Um, that that can't fit just to get it back into contention too. Like he's not, it's not definitely not out of the woods yet. Like he's only a couple games out of being out of the playoffs entirely. Yeah. So losing your best hitter, not. Not good, uh, especially with an oblique injury. Um, and like I said, I, I think the timetable was four to six weeks. But uh, I guess I should have probably double checked that. But oblique injuries are never great. That's I think that's usually about what you're looking at for a normal oblique injury anyways. Yeah. Uh, bonus sympathy, though, to League Villain Nick for the, 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 the double whammy of Arias and Helsley both being out. Um, so a little bonus sympathy directed that way. Uh, that's all for us today. Um, next week, I think we are both off. I believe it is the, the yearly chaos episode. Uh, this year, though, Jerwin will not be on it because he is a suit now. 
Um, so I believe we have Nick Lee lined up to take his place. Um, so it'll be Jordan and Nick Lee next week. Uh, I don't know what they have planned. I never do until the episode airs. So uh, get excited for that. And until next time, we are done here.